Welcome back to The Wine Show. You've got Simon Nash and uh, we have Andrew Morgan and Jill Upton. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Simon. Uh, so, sorry, we, uh, we're having a few technical issues this morning. But um, anyway, uh, Jill, why don't you lead uh, away with uh, our chat with Andrew? Sure, I'd love to. Uh, Andrew, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Andrew Morgan is the... Uh, he was actually the, the winner of the Hunter Valley Winemaker of the Year, which has recently been announced uh, in late May, which is a very coveted award. Andrew's wines, uh, Margan wines for people who don't know in the Hunter Valley, are uh, absolutely magnificent wines, but he's, he's really quite well known for the pioneering the introduction of Barbera and Alvarino into the Hunter, as well as the Shiraz Mouvedre and Tempranillo Graciano Shiraz blends. Uh, would that sound about right to you, Andrew? Well, there are certainly four unique things that I have been doing. Absolutely, yeah, that's that's right. Uh, we're, I was the first, one of the first in Australia to, to plant Albarino, actually, yeah. It's actually one of my favourite grapes and um, I drink yours quite often. I actually am a member of yours and um, I'm a, a very big fan of your beautiful aged semions, of your Barbera, of your Albarino. Um, and uh, I guess I'd... I find it. I read up on what James Halliday's uh, call for you was: the industry and the public are in love with Andrew Morgan's a little bit different wines, and I love that. And what I'd love you to uh, share with us is: what is it about your wines that make them a little bit different? Well, it, it's very much where the grapes are grown. Um, I we I do everything off my own vineyard, so I don't don't buy any grapes, and I don't blend anything. So we're we're actually not just Hunter Valley, but the smaller subregion of Broke Fortich uh, is where all of uh, all, all of my grapes are grown. Um, and we've got two vineyard sites, and the main site, uh, which is roughly 200 acres worth of, of old vines, so planted 50 years ago by Lindemans and and Saxonvale, um, is planted on this amazing little crop of uh, volcanic soil, and it's the, only the, the only real volcanic soil in the lower Hunter Valley. Um, and yeah, it's quite quite different. It, it, the, the style of wine that comes off it is, is slightly different to what comes off the, the typical soils of around Picolbin, which is uh, your uh, clay loam, Branksome Podzolics uh, grow most of your reds and your alluvial flats uh, where the semion grows. So this, uh, this red volcanic soil does give me um, a, a different style of Hunter Valley wine. And um, it's why I've sort of focused in on being single vineyard in particular. All of all the stuff we're doing these days is single vineyard um, off our only 240-odd acres of, of vines. So, yeah, that's what makes the, the biggest difference is that, I mean, the, the Hunter Valley, clearly it's, um, the, its macro climate is very specific in terms of the style of wine that, that we make here. Um, we have that same macro climate here in, in Broke, uh, Broke Fortiches that, that they do in Picolbin. Uh, and then that little bit of difference is really the soil that, that I'm growing my grapes on. Right, fair enough. So, so the soil is actually the, the main factor that, um, that would compare you and make them a little bit different. But when it comes to your actual winemaking style, how would you compare your winemaking style to other Hunter Valley vintners? Yeah, well, we've all, we all do our own little different things. I guess at the end of the day, there's a, there's a very typical um, way of making wine in this country, you know, Australian way, way of making wine. I, I uh, worked in Europe for probably six vintages and, and whilst I was there actually uh, more teaching them how to make wine in our way, you, you pick <laughs> up a lot of different things and, um, you know, I, 
when I first started making wine um, uh, and I was flying wine making, I was making interesting doing things in reverse where I was working under Murray Tyrrell here in Australia and, and he his style of winemaking was very old school. And then I was flying over into France and making wine under the Brian Crozer style, which is very new world winemaking. So it was, it was slightly in reverse in some ways, but through all that, uh, all that training and all that learning I did, I mean, you know, I came up with my own way of how I like to see wines made, how I like to drink wine, you know, what suits the, 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 the vineyard that, that I have is, is probably the most important thing. This, this soil giving us a certain style, um, is, is, it's about focusing on that and really enhancing that as much as possible. Um, and that's, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not, not a big fan of, is this wine better or is that one better? I'm more as, why is this wine different? And, and mm. I have something different here. We have something, uh, our wines are different. And that's mm. the most important thing that people can, um, appreciate that, understand that, get the context around that and then enjoy the wine off the back of that knowledge and understanding why why the wine is different to all the others around it. And would you say that was something that maybe was imparted to you through your mentoring by um, Murray Tyrrell? I mean, he's such an iconic guy in the industry. And from what I understand, your your parents had a um, had a. What was it that he imparted to you that made you? Uh, that made it that they were the factors that you realized that's what you like it's obviously the different wines it's the soil that creates it was that something that came through him definitely uh his uncompromising um attitude towards his viticulture and and when you look at um when you look at those children's vineyards and still today uh, and he's been gone for a while um the fact that they can grow dry land uh, vineyards in the Hunter Valley on that some of that soil, which you know, some it's pretty tough, um, and and produce such amazing wines. Um, you know, it's all cre credit to the the viticulture there has has always been astonishing to me, and uh, it, it certainly taught me about you know the need for connection to um, to your vineyard and and look, you know, everyone talks about it. Sure, it's a it's a, bit of a throwaway thing in the industry about how important vineyards are, but one thing to say, and I guess the other thing to do, and we've been the last 15 years in particular, uh, really focusing on, uh, uh, on, on just improving every block of grapes um, and, and not, not compromising any quality and, and just working really hard to, to make better and better wine out of every block we have. You, um, you've been very instrumental in helping to save uh, heritage vineyards. And I understand you, you, that very much for you is, is a current project. Um, as being the head of the Hunter Valley Wine Industry Association, you do play that leading role in the fight against the coal seam gas mining. Can you talk to us about that a bit? Yeah, that's a, a distant nightmare. Um, eight years <laughs> we, had fight, we had to fight to... Uh, to keep the coal seam gas mining industry out of out of uh, out of the vineyard area, which yeah, I mean we've got coal mines all around us, but they're not allowed really to come into into where the, the vines are being grown. Um, but coal seam gas seemed to find a loophole in that whole thing, and they were, they were pretty hell bent in putting uh, lots and lots of gas heads all through the vineyard area and, and extracting coal seam gas. Um, and we had to fight pretty hard. Yeah, as I said, eight years, it, it's, it's, it takes its toll, I've got to say. Um, we won in the end. Uh, I guess we were always going to win. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to, to have coal seam gas mining in the middle of the oldest wine-growing region in Australia. Um, 
And but you know, from there, uh, we still got so much conflict of, of land use pressures um, on the area. It, you know, there's land values going through the roof uh, everywhere, and and here in the Hunter Valley, they are in particular. Um, you know, there's a there's a question around the commercial value of land growing grapes and being sold for someone to live on for a lot of money, and. Uh, <laughs> If we want this industry to survive, and, and as I say, we are the birthplace of Australian wine industry, we have to do something to protect us. Um, we haven't been recognised. Uh, our state, New South Wales, hasn't been great in recognising the wine industry. Um, you mm. know, South Australia has been fantastic in doing that. Uh, New South Wales, the government has, you know, as an industry, we, we're only relatively new. You know, I mean, the Hunter Valley's been here for a long time, but you think about the rest of New South Wales, I mean, uh, it's... It, as a wine industry, it's really only coming to its own in the last 20 years. So um, taking a bit of time for the government to catch up, but what they have to recognise is if we want to protect this, this beautiful place, uh, yeah. and apart from the birthplace of the Australian wine industry, apart from the fact that we have got um, vines growing here that are now some of the oldest in, in existing in the world, um, yeah. uh, some of these clonal stocks uh, are vital to the whole world of wine being still the you know the, the existing stock that came off the hill of hermitage um and uh and then we've got this incredible tourism um industry regional employer all the things that go into what happens here in the hunter um need to be protected and if you're going to stick coal mines and whatever and put land use pressures onto the place uh it won't survive so we need some decent protection heritage gives us that protection and it's heritage protection that we need unfortunately the rules around heritage uh, uh, were established in the 1970s and they do not cover what we're trying to do here so there, there's appetite for change your government they understand you know, there is no agricultural landscapes or european agricultural landscapes um recognized for their heritage value in this country and yet around the world there's 14 different wine growing regions recognized by unesco for their heritage value so you know, um, we're a little bit behind and we need to, to modernise some of the rules that we've got and understand how we can we can actually uh, get these places like the Hunter Valley registered for their heritage value as a cultural and agricultural landscapes. No, it, it actually does sound... It's a, a little unfortunate that the Hunter is actually the oldest wine region in Australia. And uh, for New South Wales to be behind the eight ball on, on as an actual wine industry, it's... Um, it, it, it does just sound, it seems a little strange, but thank goodness we've got people like you who are, you know, who are up there and fighting against it and making sure that these, you know, these heritage vineyards will, vineyards will remain intact. And, yeah, it's, uh, how do you find, I mean, the actual tourism within the hundred is a big thing. It's become quite commercialised over the years and I only mean that in a good way. Uh, actually, just uh, just saying that I know that the Hunter has um, it has been quite commercialised, and I'm saying that only in a good way. I've enjoyed it myself very much over the last uh, couple of decades. But just wondering how the actual community is banded together, because there is a very strong community in the Hunter region. Um, so I'm just interested to hear uh, what his thoughts are about the community itself, not just the, um, the actual vintners. Well, we, I mean, the Hunter's always had a wonderful community, and. Uh... At the end of the day, you know, we're, we're so busy fighting against the, the extremes of weather and the difficulties of, of growing grapes and, and making wine and, and then to get out in the marketplace. And, you know, the Hunter Valley hasn't been considered to be the sexy place to buy, buy wine from uh, in the last 30 years as, as the industry generally has boomed. So um, when it comes to commercial, we, 
uh, area, we we have to band together as well and and show a united front. And uh, you know that's not difficult. We we are a bunch of friends at the end of the day. We all live together and and uh, socialise together and and then you know work in the same industry together. So my uh, my best mates are also my biggest competitors, and um, hmm. none of that ever worries us because we all as we're always working together to make the Hunter Valley a better better place. That's for sure. You know, that's actually a very, very interesting point to touch on. That's something that is quite specific to the wine industry, isn't it? That your, as you say, your, I guess your competitors are your best mates that, you know, you probably get together and have a drink or a beer with on on a Friday night. Um, and that's actually also what makes it quite special. Um, so in that, as, as just bringing it back to the award that you've just won, um, what, what, what does it take to become the Hunter Valley Winemaker of the Year? And, you know, as you say, you know, a lot of your mates are you probably think, you know, you probably love certain wines that they make for all different reasons. But what is it that you do? What is it that you have brought to winemaking and to the industry that uh, that you feel like you were recognised? Well, there's a, there's a, uh, a number of criteria for the award um, nomination and, and then to, to win it. Um, and it's actually the sixth time I've been nominated as, as finalist. And um, actually, just that 2021 was my 50th vintage. So it's probably taken me a fair while to, to win the thing. But um, it, it's a combination of, uh, you know, how how successful your wines have been over the previous 12 months. And, of course, we didn't have this in, in uh, 2020 because of COVID. Um, so, you know, it's, it's 2019 vintage in particular. And... Um, in the last two Hunter Valley wine shows, uh, Margan has been the fourth uh, highest medal winner um, in the in the two Hunter Valley last two Hunter Valley wine shows, and that's come from nowhere really. Um, we were well down the list before that. Um, so behind you know Tyrrells, McWeems, Brokenwood, um, and then then us. So I think, well, I'm pretty sure that's that's a result of all the work we've done in our vineyards. Um, I was viticulturist of the year in 2015, and that was from uh, that was for the work we've been doing viticulturally, and and now that's flown through into the quality of the grapes we're going growing. Um, you know, I, I, I increased focus on what we're doing in the in the winery around that single vineyard concept. Um, one of the things that uh, happened to me over the last three or four years was my wife doing her diploma that, uh, you know, focus on vit vineyard quality and, and flowing through to grape quality, flowing through, in, through into the winery. Um, and, and then where we're at now is winning winemaker of the year, which, you know, is a, makes a lot of sense. Um, the, the single vineyard focus uh, for me as I've really honed in on it, um, my wife doing her diploma uh, at Wesset um, meant that she had to learn about every single region of grape growing and winemaking in the world. And and we figured one good way to do that would be to hop on a plane and, and go and visit most of these areas. So we, I was her driver and translator and uh, we, we drove through all Europe or some of you know, the best vineyards in the world and looked at some of the best best places in the world where they, where they make wine. And, and it really, really focused me on the fact that what we have here is something that's really quite valid in the world of wine mm -hmm. that is quite interesting and worthy and, um, and seeing how all these amazing producers were really so focused on single blocks. And, and I thought, looked at all my stuff and thought, you know, I'm, I've actually been a little bit homogenous in what I've been doing. I need to separate a lot of this off and, 
and focus even more on it. And, and then apart from viticulture, then get into the winery and really focus on style of, of what that block can, can mm. do if enhanced by doing other winemaking techniques. And, yeah, that's where we've been up to in the last few years and it's obviously showing some, um, you know, some great results in, in terms of wine show and then, you know, winning winemaker of the year is um, – uh, there's that, and there's also you know the work I do for the valley generally. That's that's recognised and um, and over the years, uh, you know, I've been here now. Well, Margins 25 years this year, so uh, yeah, it's um, well I guess it's I a recognition. Yeah. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us and congratulations again on your award and to, of course, your winemaker uh, for winning the Rising Star of the Year. And yeah. um, we have just run out of time, but uh, thank you so much for joining us and uh, I'll hand over to you, Simon. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. We'll, uh, we'll speak again, no doubt. No doubt.